Hello, and welcome to the Shibari Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wicked Ren, and today I'm speaking with my friend, Lily. You'll know Lily as Twisted Lily on the internets. She is from Atlanta, and she's been involved in rope for about a decade. Hello, Lily. Hi, so excited to be here. How'd you get in the rope? Like, how'd you find it? What appealed to you? Um, I think for me, rope is really twofold. So there is a very straightforward, like sex BDSM aspect to rope for me. Um, my primary interest in kink is around power exchange. And I think there's some inherent power exchange that comes along with doing bondage. And for me, the most versatile and fun and really useful type of bondage happens with rope. So that's really one side of it. And then on the other side, I would say there's kind of a social and also more uh, like stress relief aspect as well. Like making things with my hands is really different than how most of my life goes and creating stuff like that's very tangible and physical can be a certain kind of stress release for me. And also there's the aspect of like problem solving. Um, I like communicating through touch, but I'm not like a cuddly type of person really. So I think it meets a lot of needs a lot of the time. And I spend most of my social life centered around rope, honestly. So yeah. And are you mainly a rope top? Yes, I do mostly tie. Um, I enjoy like bedroom bondage as a bottom. And I have one partner who I kind of up for most types of bondage with as a bottom, but I would say 98% of my rope and bondage life is around tying and being the person tying for sure. That's awesome. And it sounds like rope isn't a super sexual thing for you. It's more about like power dynamics and that sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, I think it's the big question, like what is sex, right? And I don't know if we have time, if we have five years to answer that question maybe, but um for me, power exchange and what is sex are very interrelated. Uh, so rope can be a lot of different degrees of sexual. Sometimes it is 100% and sometimes it's 0% and everywhere in between, mostly depending on what the relationship is with the person who I'm tying with or what we've negotiated for that moment. Um, so I wouldn't say it's non-sexual or purely sexual. And I think that might be a little unique and that I like to enjoy it in, in both ways. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you're in a rope scene and there is this power dynamic, how are you doing that ethically? Like, What are some things that you have in mind there? I think thinking about power dynamics and rope, there are two ways to approach it. So we could talk about how to use rope uh, as a way to enhance power dynamics. And I also think there's a consideration around how you consider navigating the ethics of the inherent like power dynamics that exist between people. So like I said, I think that rope is inherently has an element of power exchange in it, right? Like when a person allows you to manipulate their body, restrict their movement and kind of take that freedom and autonomy away from them. I think there's a bit of a natural um, one person having more control or power or impact uh, over the other, right? When you're talking about partnered rope scenes. Um, and so how far you go into that negotiation, I think the way I generally term it is how collaborative do we want to be here? You know, so when I'm negotiating around rope and power exchange, I usually start from we're both going to have influence over what happens and how much influence are you seeking how much influence are you seeking to give up? 
Um, what level of comfort does the person have around um, not having a lot of control over what happens? Um, and I think that's just over the over time really been a more central part of my negotiation that it was early on, you know, and it was just like, I will do things to you, you know, so. And what does your negotiation process look like? How has it changed over the years? I think negotiation is so unique to whatever relationship exists between the two people negotiating outside of that conversation. So if someone is, you know, someone I've been tying for five years and or a close friend, um, and there hasn't really been a lot of change in their life or my life or the relationship, um, it could be very easy to negotiate in just a few minutes around like, do we want to stay in the realms we've explored before? Do we, you know, want to try anything new? Is there anything that you would rather not do that we've done in the past? And that can be very simple. But if it's a person who's more new to me or someone with a big experience gap, um, I can take a pretty long time just talking about what what draws someone to want to be tied, what draws someone to um, want to be tied by me specifically. Um, and then where they really are as far as the amount of context they have around their own risk um, and their own, you know, interests and how much they may know about their body, how their body feels and behaves in rope, and also their mental, emotional side as well. You know, um, a lot of times people can have very surprising experiences in rope, and that can happen certainly with a lot of experience, but it's a little less likely. So I think the care I take and that has a lot to do with those, those experience gaps and also the individual relationship. That makes total sense. If there was one question you could ask in the context of a new rope relationship, what would that question be? If you could only ask one in some crazy world. <laughs> I think it would be about feelings. It sounds very um, silly, but I think like, what feelings are you looking to experience in, you know, the next hour with me are kind of probably, you know, that's just the beginning of a conversation because um, there are plenty of feelings that I would not, like we wouldn't have overlap necessarily around all feelings that people might express then. But uh, I think that would probably be the, the starting point. I can't imagine only having one question to ask. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, but that does make sense because it's like getting both parties on the same page on what the outcome is going to be. And if you don't know the outcome that both parties want, then how is it going to be successful? For sure. For sure. And where are those overlaps, right? I think some people maybe have lots of directions they're interested or willing to go in and figuring out the ones that overlap with both parties, I think is super important. And obviously acknowledging that there's an element of unpredictability that's always at play as well. Definitely. Well, unpredictability is one of the most fun parts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Over the last decade that you've been doing rope, what are some of the trends that you've seen come out? Sure. Um, that's a great question. I think one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately um, is something that's maybe emerged in the last five years. I'm sure it's on a cycle. I'm sure it's emerged many times in the past before I was aware of it because um, everything, there's nothing new, right? Um but one of the things that I think can be a little bit harmful and like hard, especially like having my own the way I view um, rope education and the way I approach it. Um, one thing that can be challenging for me is this sort of false binary that I think gets set up um, between styles of rope, right? So 
many people approach rope from a perspective of like learning from one specific teacher who teaches in a specific style that might be part of a lineage that has a lot of historical, you know, impact. Um, and I have a ton of respect for that. I think it's an amazing way to to go deep into like uh, a certain type of art or practice. And I know that there's a ton of history and tradition around it. It has not been my approach generally. I have had the opportunity to learn from a lot of different rope instructors from different places in the world. And I don't have a specific style or teacher or instructor that I think is the beginning and end of how I tie and how I want to tie. And so one sort of binary that I've seen that has emerged out of people sort of associating their style with very specific other people's styles is that we create like boxes and labels to put around our rope that personally I find a little limiting. You know, I remember the first time, I think it was in 2019, when I heard someone from another part of the country say that like, well, if you're into SM, you can't do a lot of transitions. Like if you're doing if you're staying in the air for a long time and like doing a lot of transitions, that is mostly for performance. That's about circus stuff. That's not sexy. That's, you know, that's a very specific thing. And then like, there's like SM and suffering and that's an, that's the opposite. Right. So there's like this weird line between those two things. And on one side of the line is technically challenging, uh, physically challenging, but performance. And the other side is like, um, maybe also like a little more straightforward or simple, but that's what emotion is about. And that's about an interaction. And I think for me, the technical way that I tie can often look a lot more like um, spending a long time in the air and doing a lot of transitions or whatnot. But the reason for that is more on the other side of that kind of false binary. Like I am doing that to create a journey of suffering. And so I just have had a difficult time with a lot of people categorizing those two types of rope as like either or. Um, And I think you can have different goals and the goals don't necessarily always define technique, but one of the outcomes of us sort of tying ourselves uh, to specific styles and teaching can be that you think that um, you know a lot more about what, what the other style is than, than maybe what if you had experienced multiple types of rope and styles of teaching and different lineages. So um, I, while I have a lot of respect for people who are very rigid in their tying style, um, it's just, it hasn't been the the right route for me. Like I'm not a professional. I don't need anyone else's um, instructor name, like associated with my name in order to get to do the amount of rope I want to do. Um, And so I just would encourage people to be a little more open about the boxes that they put their tying and bottoming style into, because I think it's very possible to have a mixture of objectives and a mixture of audiences and a mixture of technique. Yeah, there's a lot more nuance to it than what we like to, um, you know, prescribe. Sure. And it's human nature, right? You see something you like and you want to do it. And so you think like, that's, that's the way I will tie. I think in doing that, you are saying no to a lot of other things. And for me, being able to study with um, people from very different backgrounds and different lineages of technique um, has allowed me to kind of create some hybrid versions of those things that I uh, feel sometimes feel more like my own. And 
and that might not be everyone's objective, but for me, I really like having things that feel like uh, um, a combination of things that I've learned that feel like mine and the person I'm doing them with. Totally. Yeah, it's really safe to put yourself into a box because it essentially says I can grow, but I can only grow within this box of this style and everything outside of it. I don't have to worry about, but it's also very (laughs) limiting, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And it can even come across as like presuming a lot about what's going on between two people. Um, I think that there are scenes that I have had that people might see as like more performancy where I had no idea whether anyone else is in the room or not. You know, so it's really not um, it's not always possible to know what goes on between two people and assuming based on technique or, you know, style of style of rope seems just limiting and not very open minded. When you started tying, did you put yourself into a box? Oh, my goodness. I've been in so many boxes. Yeah. Um, Again, I I think like labeling things and limiting them is so natural for humans to do. Um, But I definitely have been through lots of uh, lots of iterations of putting myself in a box and then breaking out of it and then just finding I was in another slightly larger box. Yeah. Do you think that you are currently in a box and you're going to find out you're in a box? Oh my gosh, I'm sure. Isn't that just like the human experience? I don't know. Um, I hope not. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm I'm sure. But it's amazing that you're, you know, constantly getting into new things. It sounds like you have very, very little ego about things and that allows you to grow and experience and explore. Oh gosh, I don't know if I can claim to have little little ego. I am a rope top after all, but um, yeah, well, I, I will take it as a huge compliment, and I will take it to the bank. So. You know, I take it back. Actually, I tell you, I, re- I realize what I said. Really flirting with disaster here, so um, I take it back. Yeah, I understand. I'll take. It's fine. Uh, this is great. But, but uh, don't. I think it could be a dangerous assumption. Um, so it's it's hard to maintain any sense of uh, any sense of low ego I think but absolutely it's a worthy cause <laughs> so what are you excited about right now like what's um what's keeping you going um I think really frequently about beginner's mind um and about going back to basics with new understanding of complexity right so um Every time I have changed the way I walk off my uplines or something, or every time I have, you know, learned a pattern that I like better than my default pattern for that thing, right? Um, It forces you into this kind of awkward period uh, where you have to approach things with a beginner's mind again. And I think I've probably been through like five or six really significant versions of that, you know? So, So when you're learning something new and complicated, there's always like an inflection point in the beginning where you think, uh, I know, I know enough about this, like, and it's usually like just enough to be dangerous. Right. And so exploring the plateaus after that, I think can be so fascinating. Um, and that's where I've really had a strong depth of learning. I think it was five or six years in where I started thinking to myself, how is my body negotiating this space and movement and how am I both protecting and thinking about grace in my own movement, right? Like, I'm not sure if you have seen videos of yourself tying. It's usually really challenging to see yourself doing something that when you're doing it, you feel like 
confident and encouraged. Um, and then you watch a video and you're like, wow, I've never seen anything so dorky in my life. Who is that person? What faces are they making? Yeah. That's insane. Um, and I, I had that experience so many times that I, I started consciously thinking about like, um, how, how do my movements impact this, the feel that my, the person I'm tying has around this experience Then trying to focus on is like, how can I kind of be, you know, especially suspension, the greatest tool and the greatest enemy is always gravity, right? So like, how can I make a gravitational pull, not just up and down? Um, how can I feel like the thing that is gravity that is pulling a person into certain shapes or movements? How can that be me and not just the ground? Um, and I think that is super weird and conceptual and nerdy, but like, that's probably where my experimentation is right now um in a lot of ways and like um that is uh, uh definitely a result of just hearing other instructors talk about that and and having them be open to to discussing it you know amazing well next episode we're going to talk about that <laughs> that's our starting point <laughs> gravity <laughs> yeah yes, it's <this> amazing <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so much for being on. Thank you. I've learned so much talking to you. Yeah, thank you. I I learned so much talking to you as well. And I always, uh, I'm always up for lots of nerdy iterating about rope. I could spend my whole life doing that thing. So. Well, great. Part two. Going to be about nerdy <laughs> rope. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs>